Hello. We're having an interlude between seasons for the next few episodes. So in this episode, I'm actually sharing some exciting news with you, especially if you're a USA-based member of the UA community. And I'll also be highlighting some of my learnings and experiences from my recent trip to the States and how these ideas can be translated into your home. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together, we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. So let me share the exciting news first. If you follow Undercover Architect on Facebook or on Instagram, you may have seen that I recently travelled to the USA. Now, the idea for this trip, it actually started late uh, in 2017. And in January of this year, 2018, I actually booked it all and I started getting really excited about heading off because this was going to be my first overseas trip that I've had on my own since I was in my late 20s, which when I actually travelled to the States the last time. So, you know, for some time now, now, I've actually had gorgeous American members of the UA community get in touch with me. Uh, I know that uh, they're American listeners of the podcast and also uh, readers of the blog. And many of you have got in touch with me to ask if the uh, Undercover Architect courses are relevant for you in the States. And some American homeowners, they've even joined the Australian versions of my six-week online course, How to Get It Right in Your Reno or New Home, and also the home construction course I have, Manage Your Build. So in the back burner of Undercover Architect, you know, I've been learning more and more about remodeling and building in the USA so that I can be more helpful to American homeowners. The thing is, it's actually quite similar to how we do renovation or remodeling and building in Australia. But there are terminology differences and there's some process differences. And of course, the whole orientation thing is flipped uh, because the sun moves through the south and not through the north. Now, about a year ago, I discovered an architect with an incredible YouTube channel that shares his knowledge and his experience and insight on practicing as an architect. His name is Eric Reinholdt, and his channel and his business is called 30 by 40 Design Workshop. Now, he's based in Maine, which is right up in the northeastern corner of the USA, and his YouTube channel is the most watched architectural YouTube channel with over 180,000 subscribers at the time of me recording this podcast, and it, it keeps climbing. So, you know, these videos that he puts together, they're gold, whether you're a homeowner or you're in the industry. They're so beautifully put together and they share a huge wealth of advice and education to demystify what it's like to work uh, with an architect and also to be an architect. So I really encourage you to check them out and to subscribe to his channel and to follow along. And I'll pop a link in the show notes uh, to his channel so that you can go and check it out. Now, anyway, about a year ago, I actually emailed Eric uh, to get in touch, to congratulate him on such awesome work and to introduce myself. We kept emailing each other and then a few months later, we actually jumped on Skype and you know, I actually suggested to Eric that we collaborate on something. And then they announced that the American Institute of Architects National Conference was going to be in New York City this year. And well, let's just say I took it as a sign that I needed to get myself over there. 
So to the reason for my trip, well, it was definitely a research trip. I wanted to understand firsthand more about remodeling and building and the general industry in America. And part of that was attending the AIA conference in New York and also attending a big building expo that they had there as well and really getting to meet and listen to other people in the industry in America so I could really learn a lot more about it. The main reason, though, was just to be able to hang out with Eric in person and for us to be able to collaborate on and create something together. And that's the exciting news that I have to share. Now, Eric and I have actually created a brand new online course together. It's called the Welcome Home Course, and it's going to teach you as an American homeowner, how to confidently remodel or build your future family home and get it right. Together, Eric and I have over 40 years industry experience in residential design, remodeling and building. And in the Welcome Home course, we're diving into what you need to know to successfully design, remodel or build your family home and how to avoid the expensive mistakes, heartache and drama along the way. There's also going to be other industry experts to support you in your learning and to give local insights for your region, your climate and your specific challenges. You know, I've been to the States a few times now and it never ceases to amaze me how big a country it is and the diversity of the environment and natural conditions from state to state. And so this course is really crafted to guide and help you wherever you're located so you can get really specific advice and ideas. Now, the Welcome Home course is specifically for USA homeowners. However, if you're also in the American design, building, architectural industry, you want more insight into residential home remodeling or building, this is also going to be awesome for you. You know, in it, you've got really experienced professionals taking you through a step-by-step process from the start to finish of a remodel or a new build project. Look, we seriously cannot wait to bring you the Welcome Home course. You know, having worked with You know, I've worked with hundreds of Australian homeowners in this way and already a few Americans. And so I personally know how great and powerful this program is for empowering you to remodel or build your family home. And so, you know, this is ultimately about you being able to enjoy the process and successfully create that fantastic home that you're dreaming of. So if you'd like to be the first to know when the Welcome Home course is available to join, head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash USA waitlist, all one word, okay, USA waitlist, and pop your details in there, okay, and I'm going to pop that link in the show notes as well, so you can grab that. Now, let's move on to the episode. So in this episode, I'm going to be talking about a project that I got to learn about, which is actually an incredible restaurant in Barcelona. Uh, and in a couple of weeks' time in, the, in, in a podcast episode, I'm going to be talking about another project, which was the Highline in New York. Now, it may sound strange for me to talk about these and your home, but stick with me here, okay? Because I feel that there's always things to learn about our home design when we look at how other project types are working in the built environment. And before I dive in, I've put some photographs of this project on the blog. So head to the show notes for the link so that you can see what I'm talking about in this podcast. It's a fantastic project. I really encourage you to check out the images uh, so that you can really understand what I'm referring to in this podcast. Okay. 
So when I was in New York, I was invited to attend an event at the HG Stones showroom. So HG Stones is a stone supplier that does a huge range of natural and engineered stones, and they're located in New York City. And I was I was blown away by their showroom and what they were able to put on display and just the variety and the quality of what they were uh, presenting. Now, they hosted an event where Paul Lamona, who is a Spanish architect, actually talked about the design of a project called Enigma. So Enigma is a restaurant in Barcelona, and this is where a maximum of 24 diners per evening are taken on a journey that melds food and theatre and materiality and design of the spaces all together into this incredible experience. Now, Enigma is owned by a Spanish chef, Albert Adria, I'm probably mispronouncing his name. He's a really renowned Spanish chef. And let me tell you a little bit more about what actually happens when you go to Enigma, because this is what really blew me away. So as I said, there's a maximum of 24 diners in the restaurant on any one evening. When you make your booking, you're actually assigned a time slot to arrive as no more than six diners can enter the restaurant at one time. So you get put into a group and you're given a time slot. There's no reception. There's no welcome desk when you arrive. You basically arrive at the exterior of the restaurant. You're given a pin code to use on a security pad and you let yourself into the restaurant once your group of six have arrived and are assembled outside you use your pin code and then you're let in. Once you're inside the restaurant, you actually walk alone through a winding corridor until you arrive into the restaurant's first space and you start your evening's experience. Now, the evening at the restaurant, Enigma, it involves traveling through a series of rooms in a specific order inside the space. The space is about 750 square meters or 7,534 square feet. So it's a large area and you're basically moving through these various rooms and spaces as you enjoy 40 courses of food uh, in an experience that can take up to four hours to complete. How much does it cost to attend this restaurant? Well, that was one of my questions too. From memory, I believe they said it was around 260 euros per person plus alcohol. So this is bucket list stuff. Now, Everything is custom made in the restaurant, right down to the plates that you eat from. One of the main things that Pau spoke about was actually how the wall linings and the floor surfaces had been created because they were incredibly unique. Now, a company called Neolith worked with the design team to create this beautiful, unique floor and wall lining using one of their sintered stone products. So what's sintered stone? Well, I've got a quote for you from a website called the Creative Kitchen and Bathroom that explains it really well. So sintered stone is created through a kiln-fired process that actually heats and applies pressure to a mineral blend until it all binds together. So in short, it's actually synthesizing the process by which uh, igneous rock is formed. So it's it, what it does is it creates a really UV-stable and chemical-resistant product, and Sintered Stone has the best compressive strength of any comparable products currently on the market, according to this website. So it has no warping and essentially no thermal expansion, so it doesn't get bigger and um, doesn't ex- basically change size um, based on heating or cooling and, uh, you know, isn't impacted by temperature or moisture changes. So, and it's also non-porous and won't stain. So what we're talking about here is it's incredibly durable, super hard wearing. And this is a product that's available throughout USA, Europe and Australia. So if you Google Sintered Stone with, it's, it's S-I-N-T-E-R-E-D, you'll be able to see a local supplier that can supply it for you. 
And it's used in projects for tiles, for bench tops, for wall claddings. It comes in various different sizes, um, you know, so lots of different applications. So how was it used in this project? Well, what they did was they got a series of watercolour paintings um, that they then enlarged and they applied in grid formation over all of the floor and wall linings of the space. So let me explain this in a bit more detail. And there's a picture on the blog so that you can understand this better. So a watercolour painting that was about the size of a six-seater dining table, so, you know, quite a large large painting, it then got blown up completely and divided into a grid pattern where each uh, stone tile represented a small part of that painting. Now, each stone stone tile was then print, it had its surface printed with that part of the grid, and then all of these individual stone tiles were all used to line the walls and the floor of the restaurant to then basically amalgamate back into making a very large format version of the watercolour painting. And each stone tile was, was large itself. So each stone tile, I think, was roughly about two and a half metres by one metre in size. Um, but, you know, basically a very large format and had the picture applied across all surfaces. Now it was really fascinating to see how this added a you know really strong sense of drama and theatre to the space, so much more than choosing an off-the-shelf finish. You know, and of course there were other elements that added to this, you know, the furniture design, the lighting played a big part. The ceiling, for example, was designed to look like a series of clouds. It was all backlit and glowing. You know, this was it was honestly mind-blowing. And I asked Pow, the architect, how involved he was in designing the experience because I personally was really curious as to whether, you know, the chef and his team, they'd pretty much come up with a predefined idea of how the restaurant experience would occur. And then they'd said to the architect, you know, you basically need to design the rooms to support this experience. Um, or whether as a team, they'd collaboratively worked it all out together, you know, and as architect and as restaurant owners, they'd kind of worked together to define what the experience would be and then sort of figured out how the spaces were going to, were going to help that flow. Now, Powell, the architect, he actually told me that the design process had taken over 12 months and he showed me images of, you know, how they'd worked through the different concepts and the different ideas. They'd even got to a point where they, you know, they had the space for the restaurant and they mocked up the entire experience at one-to-one -one inside this venue using, you know, cardboard boxes for tables and for chairs. And then they had plastic curtains hanging where the glass panels were intended to go so that they could actually bring the whole team in and get a feel for how it was performing and whether anything needed to be tweaked and changed. So, you know, they all worked together as a team so that the restaurant staff themselves, the people that were going to be working there every night, that they really understood how the architecture was going to create the experience and the mood and the atmosphere. And, you know, this actually seemed to be one of the things that Powell, the architect, seemed to enjoy most about it, you know, that everybody was bringing these collaboratively skills together, you know, collaborative skills together really beautifully. So as I said, make sure you head to the blog because you'll be able to see images there of the restaurant's interior and I've got a floor plan of the, so that you can see the various rooms and how the journey works through the restaurant and also some photographs of that watercolour painting and, and that process of creating the finishes. You know, it's amazing to see how this was translated into the interior fit out and design of this space. Okay, so what does this actually have to do with your home? Well, I've got five things that I'd love you to think about that are specifically inspired by this project and that made me really think about how how we can think about these types of projects to inspire us for ideas for our home uh, so that we can really enrich the experience of our home overall. 
So these five things are, number one is experience, number two is materials, number three is lighting, number four is customization or personalization, and number five is team. So let's go into a bit more detail about each of these. Okay, so the first one is think about experience. So what is the experience of your home? You know, to start thinking about this, think about how you arrive in your home. You know, how do you, how do you arrive? How do your guests arrive? What is actually revealed at the point of entry in the home versus, you know, when you actually get to sort of come further into the home? Some homes really suffer from putting everything on display at the front door or from people arriving and not really, you know, they feel like they pr- pretty much just simply fall into the home space. There's no real ceremony to the way that they sort of arrive into the home. Now, you can picture, by contrast, the sense of theatre at this restaurant, you know, the wonderment of walking in, of discovery, of mouth open as you start to discover the spaces that you're being invited to explore in a really specific way. You know, how can you bring this theatre of experience to your home? This may sound weird and, you know, almost the opposite of homely, but this is exactly the where the idea of entry voids, you know, first came in. These big grand statements on entering a home that over time, you know, have become more and more compact. But still, you know, people are often asking for entry voids when their home's being designed. You know, they want something that adds more drama at the point of arrival into the home. Now, if you check out the Anderson Project on the website, and I'll pop a link in the show notes so that you can you can check it out, you'll see that there we created a more concealed entry experience. So the home is actually screened when you arrive at the front door. There's a long wall uh, that conceals the home uh, itself from somebody arriving at the front door. The Andersons painted this wall a very dark navy colour, and they Um, they got a long church pew that they sat against that wall. They had a collection of artwork and photographs that really gave a personal touch and an immediate sort of taste of the, you know, how the home and the, them as a family sort of felt and operated, but it didn't reveal the home to those that they didn't want to see the home. You know, functionally, it gave somewhere for guests to actually put their bags down as they walked in. So you could put your bag down on the church pew, you know, and then there was this idea of walking into this screened space, uh, you know, taking a small journey into the home, and then you turn the corner around the wall to then have the home open up to you, to reveal itself to you with its light and its open space and its connection to outdoors. And that all adds to that experience of arrival. You know, it really emphasises the feeling of those spaces by, you know, reinforcing how they feel each time someone walks in. You kind of get reminded every single time this sense of discovery. And for those entering it, for the first time, you know, it was often a surprise of, oh, wow, this home is actually much bigger and more spacious than I thought. Or, wow, look at that light. You know, there was that that entry process that concealed the volume and space of the home that really added to that sense of discovery and delight as you arrived and walked into the home and, and the home revealed itself to you. You know, for homeowners and for the homeowners themselves, this also acted as a small transition between the public world and the haven of their home itself. And so that enables you as a homeowner to feel like you've arrived home each time you enter into that space. So start looking at other homes that you're walking into and even look at the public spaces that you move around in. You know, how has entry, how has threshold, how has movement from public to private been handled to make it feel ceremonial, you know? and important that you're actually coming home to a space 
or a place. You know, this can make a big difference to your home's ability to welcome you home every day and to make your guests feel welcome as well. And I find that most homeowners want their home to embrace them, you know, like a hug. They may not say it in such woo-woo terms, but that idea that your home's architecture is can do this, it's actually really, it's very real. So think about how this works at your place, how this idea of experience and of guiding both yourself and other people through an experience of the space can really change the way that space feels, how your home feels, how the journey through your home feels and how that sense of discovery feels and how the spaces then might feel as a result. Okay, just start to experiment with ideas around that and pay attention to the other spaces that you're using. Now, number two is to think about the materials that you use. So the sintered stone that was used at the restaurant and the way its surfaces were printed, this, of course, added a richness and a drama to the interior design of the restaurant. And whilst incredibly spectacular, it would, of course, come at a cost premium and potentially is not in everyone's budget. But the stone was specifically chosen for a number of reasons, not just about how it looked and its capacity to sort of do this with the watercolour painting. You know, any wall or floor surface had to be hard wearing and easy to clean in order to satisfy the needs of the restaurant. And it also had to create a certain atmosphere of intimacy and comfort without feeling cold or hard. So it also needed to create something that was going to be memorable in the restaurant. So materials that we choose, they need to do a lot of jobs within one space in order for them to work well for us. So I'd love you to think about here how you choose materials. You know, what do you need them and want them to do for you and your home? Materials can be thought about in a few different ways, and I think we often forget this when we're thinking about residential construction because it might feel like we've got a pretty standard palette of products and finishes and materials to choose from that we don't have a lot of options, but we actually do. I recommend first and foremost that you choose materials for durability and longevity. You want things that are long lasting. So, you know, anything especially that's structural, that's on the exterior of your home, that's in a location that makes it difficult or expensive to replace or maintain. You know, you want your home ultimately to help you relax. So if you're staring every weekend at the material finish that you chose that's rapidly deteriorating or it's needing refinishing or needs you to hire someone to sort it out at a cost that you didn't anticipate, none of that is going to help you relax. And our homes, they take daily punishment, you know, either from us, from the conditions, from the weather, from time. So it's important that the materials that we build our homes from can sustain that daily life and still look great. Think also about choosing materials for the life and the character that they give a space. You know, this can come through texture and pattern, also how they reflect or they absorb light. You know, whilst you may not be able to fund getting original artwork printed onto the surface of materials you choose, there are so many options available in residential materials these days to add colour and texture and pattern and light to spaces that will then add richness to your design and the way your home feels overall. I also suggest that you really think about and focus on the materials that you're going to come into contact with that you might brush your hand over as you walk into your home or that are eye level or hand level in your daily use of your home. We often forget how our sense of touch um, can really change how we experience something and this is particularly relevant for our homes. So say for example you might have fallen in love with a particular natural stone that you'd actually really love to use on the outside of your place but your budget may not extend to of wrapping it around, you know, entire parts of your home's exterior. So perhaps instead you can afford to use it, say, in a low landscape wall uh, that is located as you walk into your home that might be somewhere where you sit um, to take off your shoes or something like that, you know, or it could just be used in the actual 
paving or finish of the entry landing itself. You know, small touches like this that can be done in a more affordable way, when they sit in amongst a simple and complementary palette, they can really help these special materials have far more specialness and impact and really enrich the experience of your home. And I really encourage you to not fake it. You know, choose the real deal if you want it to look a certain way. Materials that mimic something that they're not, they can create a real disconnect in the integrity and the authenticity of your space and of your home. Now, number three is to think about lighting. So electrical lighting in a home, from what I see happen for homeowners, it often gets left until the quoting stage, or worse still, it gets left until construction is underway and the electrician then turns around during construction and requests a layout and for you to make your final selections of lighting. I really encourage you to design your electrical solution with the same intent that you're giving the floor plan, the exterior of your home and all the interior, all the internal finishes and fixtures. You know, you can see from this restaurant how impactful the lighting is for creating mood and drama and atmosphere, whilst also needing to satisfy the functionality of the restaurant. I've actually been able to see what you're eating and to not trip over each other as you move through the space. You know, how do you want your home to feel once the sun goes down? What will you need specific lighting levels for to make spaces work? You know, for relaxation or for doing homework or for entertaining or to feel safe and secure. Think about this as you create the floor plan and picture how you'll be laying the lighting out in your home because you'll be frustrated on a daily basis if you don't get this right and it's super expensive to retrofit after you've finished. So it's important to incorporate the design of lighting early into your project in order to keep your options open and to manage your budget overall and to get the impact that you're really seeking from your home. Now, number four is to think about customization and personalization. So the sintered stone, the use of the original watercolor painting, you know, this was all an incredible way to create a unique and different environment in this restaurant. It's a total one-off and it's a great, you know, it's great for you to look at how you can do this in your home and it doesn't have to be such a big dramatic statement either. You know, we can get caught between wanting to choose something that's super personal and unique for our homes and then worrying that it's not a good investment for resale or that we'll tire of it or that it will date or that it will not appeal to others like it appeals to us. Now, there are lots of ways that you can simply personalise a space that, you know, it's not irreversible or permanent. One of the friends that I stayed with in, in Denver, Colorado, a woman named Kirsten Coe, she actually has a design company called Lasso Design and she had done a gorgeous job of this in their home. My favourite was actually this beautiful wallpaper that that she'd chosen just for one area of the home. Uh, it was this beautiful green leaf pattern across it and it was contained enough to one space so that it didn't overwhelm and it was so quirky and, and gorgeous. It made such a beautiful statement in the space. Add to that, you know, there were small objects, wall hangings, other items that were really intentionally placed in that space and also elsewhere in the home. It felt incredibly personal to her and her family and made me feel so at home being sort of in that environment as well. Now, when you think about the selections you're making for your home, think about where you can customise something in a small way or add a personal touch so it really breathes your life and your personality into your home. 
Now, lastly, number five, think about your team. It was so evident how critical the team had been in bringing this vision for Enigma to reality and to continue delivering on that experience night after night in the restaurant as it operates. I've spoken about the importance of teamwork a lot on the podcast and on Undercover Architect generally, and I've had guests on the podcast who've also spoken about it loads. This is because it works, okay? A great team is what separates a successful and fun fun project from a terrible and stressful one. Now, often the resistance I see to building a team can be purely about budget. You know, if you, there's a feeling that if you bring people on board for your project, their fees will actually take budget away from the actual renovation or build of your home. And that's how many homeowners will see it. I would encourage you to see that professional fees are actually an investment and that they should have a return for you, either in money that you save on your project or in creating certainty that you'll get a great outcome for all this effort and spend or in giving you the opportunity to save time and stress on your project overall. Another reason that I see people resist bringing on a team is that they feel they'll have to relinquish control on their project. They won't actually get the home that they're seeking, you know. So many homeowners tell me that they're really excited by the idea of creating their home design or choosing all their fixtures and finishes or managing and coordinating things on their project and they say that if they hire a designer then they'll have to give that up uh, as the designer's vision will overrun theirs. Now please, if this is your thinking, I really really encourage you instead to think about the type of designer that you bring on board because the right designer is not someone who will make you relinquish control. The right designer is actually someone who will expand your vision for your home. They'll fill the expertise gap in your experience and they'll actually help you realize your dreams into something that is deliverable. You know, find someone you trust to work with in this way and it will far exceed what you can create on your own. The same goes for how you work with a builder and anyone else that you bring on your team. Teams that work collaboratively, where everyone is working to their strengths, including you as the client and the funder of the project and the future owner of the finished result. You know, these types of teams, they create magic. They really do. Okay, so those five things to think about for your home as inspired by the Barcelona restaurant Enigma are number one, experience. How can you actually craft the experience of your home? How can you change the way that people feel about your home because of the way that you lead people through it and into it and around it and how will that work for you and your family. Number two is materials. How will you go about choosing materials for durability, for longevity and for the character and light that they can add to a space so that they really suit your needs and really enrich the quality and feel of your home. Number three is lighting. How can you start thinking about lighting early and how can you incorporate it into your design process so that you create a really functional home and also a home that feels great and works really well for you? Number four is customization and personalization. So what can you do to really add your personal touch into your home so that your home feels like yours, that you feel at home in your space because you're surrounded by things that really tell people a story about who you are as a family and that make you feel comfortable and at home in the, in the spaces that you're living in. And number five is your team. How are you going to build a team that's really going to work collaboratively together to help you deliver the vision that you have for your home and help you save time and money and stress in making the project far more enjoyable for you overall? 
Now, after I attended the event at the H.G. Stone's showroom, I actually jumped on the subway back towards my hotel. One of the things I love about New York is that it's always open. You know, it was 10.30 p.m. There were still queues filling up inside of Carlos's Bakery, uh, which I think is on the corner of 42nd and 8th Street. And so I joined the queue and I treated myself to a cannoli and I headed back uh, to my hotel eating it as I went. It was a really big cannoli and I didn't think it was going to be possible to finish it. Um, But I clearly underestimated my abilities and the next thing I knew it was all gone. A huge thank you to HG Stones for hosting me um, that evening, getting to hear Paolo Mona talk so passionately about this project and to share his experience and learnings. It was just, it was sensational. So head to the blog, you'll see a transcript of this podcast, plus loads of photographs of the Enigma restaurant. There's a few extra things in there as well. And the link is in the show notes to that blog. Uh, and also all of the other links that I've mentioned, Eric's channel, uh, the wait list for the Welcome Home course, the Anderson Project, you can find all of those links in the show notes. Now, in the next episode, I'm going to be talking about how to avoid disaster and heartache in your renovation or new home project. So many homeowners make avoidable mistakes when they're embarking on their project. So I'm going to be taking you through the top ones I see really regularly. And I'm also going to be sharing how we can work together, you and I, in a really affordable way to simplify your project journey so that I can help you achieve a really great outcome in your future family home and help you know what to focus on to get you know the best results for your project and for the home that you're creating at the end of it so until next time bye